0: Hey, welcome back, everybody, to Inside the Draft. I'm Matt Taylor inside the Indiana Union Construction Industry Radio Studio, joined by Casey Vallier, and this is, of course, a special post-draft edition of Inside the Draft. As we recap the Colts' Hall, consisting of 12 players from last weekend, the most for the franchise in a draft since the league went to a seven-round draft in 1994, and the most since it had 13 and a 12-round process back in 1992. It was headlined, of course, by quarterback Anthony Richardson, four overall to the Indianapolis Colts. And to talk about that and the rest of the Colts draft is our good friend Shane Hallam, who's back again from NFL Draft Countdown. Shane, thanks again for the time today after the
1: draft. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Glad to be back and excited we had a fun draft.
0: Absolutely. Now, does your Twitter account still work, or, <laughs> or is there a cap on how many tweets you can fire off in one weekend? Because I loved it. I really did. I'm just giving you grief. But you watched tape of every single player drafted this year. You had a tweet with a synopsis after every single selection. You had 16 hours of streamed draft content there on draftcountdown.com. Uh, Shane, gotta ask you on a scale of one to ten, man, how worn out are you after those three days?
1: <laughs> I think I think I'm hitting the seven or eight, piece uh, uh, yeah. right now. But uh, you know, the sixteen hours of streaming takes a lot. But it was, you know, it was exciting to finally see the culmination of everything. And I was excited that I would watched every single player. That was my goal this year. Uh, after the, the, the Colts uh, got me last year in the seventh round with their. Uh, linebacker out of Yale, uh, this year I was oh, all good. Rodney
0: Thomas hosed you, did he? <laughs>
1: he, he did. He did last year. the <laughs> one player I didn't watch last year. So it's not going to happen again. Attaboy. So any player with, with that athletic testing, I, I was watching.
0: Yeah, and he came back. He's probably going to be a starter this year or at least have a good chance to be in the mix uh, on defense there at safety. All right, let's go to the top of the draft and kind of recap things. So the Colts draft, Anthony Richardson at four, after the Texans picked up C.J. Stroud and Will Anderson there at two and three, respectively. Um, let's begin there. Were you at all surprised the Texans didn't overthink this and actually picked up a quarterback at two, and in fact it being C.J. Stroud, who we kind of all thought it was going to be all
1: along? I was a little bit surprised just because the buzz had been growing that, oh, they might pass, and, and, et cetera, et cetera. But I, I think I, I always have to default, and I think everyone should, that, that these NFL teams are smart. They know what they're looking at, too. I think everyone out there that watched C.J. Stroud knew he deserved to be a top quarterback pick in the NFL draft, and so the Texans made that selection. I think that's usually what ends up happening um, uh, when we get to it. But, you know, it did – in my final mock draft, I had Stroud falling to the Colts and the Colts taking him and definitely switched things up.
0: All right, so let's stay there at the top again. Richardson goes to Indianapolis four overall. Obviously a lot of buzz and, and excitement. Uh, and some some hope. And I think that's the biggest thing, some hope and some stability at the quarterback position with the Colts for the first time in the last couple of years. Give me some reasons why you think Richardson will succeed, not only in a, in the NFL, but with the Colts where he's drafted. Why do you think he's going to succeed in this situation under Shane Steichen?
1: I think the Shane Steichen offense is exactly why he will succeed. We saw it last year with Jalen Hurts. In Philadelphia, I think Shane Steiken was a great hire because he does mold his system to the player. Now, I think Anthony Richardson fits what he wants to do, but it also allows you to take those concepts from the, from the Eagles, from Hertz, and apply them to the Colts and then mold them a little bit more for Richardson's abilities as, as a kind of a, a rocket thrower. You know, he has that, that one speed, that hard speed. I think that's going to work in his favor, but being able to use this offense to roll him out get them out in space, uh, have teams have to sit back on their heels. You know, not only is it going to help Anthony Richardson be successful, but I think Jonathan Taylor in the run game is going to help that be successful. So I think that's the one thing that Richardson can do. Um, I think he has the talent. It's going to be about putting it together, understanding there's going to be some mistakes in building this offense around him.
2: Now one of the questions we'll continue to ask until, you know, week one rolls around and we figure out who is starting week one the NFL, it's not a patient league, and you, you talk about Shane Steichen kind of making his offense go around a quarterback. We heard Jim Irsay and Shane this weekend talk about how the only way for these guys to get better is to get out there on the field. When you look at it from that perspective, being able to kind of take the offense and, and build it around a guy, does that does that lean more towards a guy might be ready earlier because you just kind of work with what his strengths are now and you just evolve that way?
1: I, th- I think it is. I think you see a lot of teams that, that draft a player even pretty highly and say, oh, you know, we got to set him down and we got to let him learn. But if you're taking this offense, you know you're building around Anthony Richardson, Gardner Minshew. Maybe we'll start, but that- that's not your future. So the offense you're building is going to be for this quarterback and for this player. You want to get him out there, and I think that really it's the best thing for Anthony Richardson. You might have a couple games where he takes his lumps and makes mistakes. Misreads defenses but you saw some great things happening where he's climbing the pocket and keeping his eyes up under pressure the, those tell me that he just needs some experience in terms of how to read a defense and what happens when that first read isn't there and and when do you take off when you know when do you look to the second and third read i, I think it's going to take some time because he is so inexperienced, having only started uh, a season and one game. I think that would be the best way to get them out there earlier rather than later.
2: Now, one of those things that, as I mentioned earlier, it's patience is very hard to come by in the NFL. And we're starting to see a little bit of a change in the AFC South. You know, you've got, looks to be a very young quarterback crew. When you look at the three quarterbacks taken this draft in the South with Stroud Richardson and then Levis going to Tennessee How do you know where to judge it? Can you say when December rolls around, you can kind of say, ah, this team got the best quarterback for right now?
1: I think it's tough to judge. I think we have to learn, even as fans, to be a little more patient. That's tough. Like you said, it's very thin. Uh, because I expect C.J. Stroud probably to be the most NFL-ready to be able to step in, uh, but he's going to a Texans team doesn't have a lot of weapons. I mean, I expect Will Levis maybe to get his shot there in Tennessee, um, but he fell to the second round for yeah. a reason. Uh, and then Anthony Richardson, I think we just need to be patient. I mean, you look over at Buffalo and Josh Allen after year one, people were throwing him in, in the trash can, and this is, this is it. They made a terrible right. mistake. He's not there. I, I think you have to have that same kind of patience. So maybe hold on, try to hold off on the judgments in December because it might take a year or two, three, before we really know which quarterback's to the best.
0: All right, Shane, what did you make of the rest of the Colts draft? Three corners, some offensive line depth and Blake Freeland, uh, Josh Downs from North Carolina coming in to play wide receiver. How much better did the Colts get last weekend with their 12 draft picks?
1: I think they got much better because not only did they draft players who are highly athletic, we know that that's kind of the game there in Indianapolis, that's what they're doing, but it's players that fit, especially the defense, in my opinion, what they're doing there. When we talked uh, last time, uh, brought up Julius Brent and Darius Rush as potential corners for the Colts, and I think getting kind of long, press, athletic, big corners are, is going to help this defense when you can get those receivers off the time rep. I, I thought it was just great fits all around. Um, and I really like the Blake Freeland pick out of BYU. I think he needs some work in mm-hmm. terms of strength, in terms of technique, but in terms of fitting in a, an athletic model where, guess what, You know when Anthony Richardson gets out of that pocket, you need someone that can run with him. And Blake Freeland is certainly a, a, an offensive lineman that can run with him.
0: Yeah, you talked about Julius Sprints, the local product out of Kansas State, went to Warren Central High School here in Indianapolis. Shane, remind us, where did you have him on your corner board going into the draft?
1: I had him as a potential late first, early second round pick. Uh, he ended up my cornerback five spot, so I had him rated higher than some of the corners that went in the first round. I actually liked him – uh, better than than Emmanuel Forbes, and pretty close with Deontay Banks out of Maryland, who also went in the first round. Um, because I, th- I think when you watched Brents this season, you know he didn't have a ton of help in that secondary, and they often put him out on an island. So you, you see some plays where uh, he loses positioning, the receiver catches the pass. Well, if you have a little bit of safety help, those type of things aren't happening. So I thought some of the weaknesses maybe pushed him down into round two aren't going to happen in the NFL when you have a player uh, w- with the 99.9 percentile athleticism and the size and physicality that he brings. I, I think it could end up being a steal. We could look at Joey Brent being one of the top three corners to come out of this draft.
2: Now, Josh Downs, the receiver out of North Carolina, set a lot of records there at North Carolina, back-to-back 1,000 yards, definitely a guy who had a lot of receptions in his two years of real dominance there In North Carolina where do you see him fitting in in the Colts offense and can he step in day one and kind of be that slot guy for this offense
1: I think he definitely has that potential it was a little bit of a surprising pick to me the only player that the Colts drafted in the entire draft that didn't have over a 90 percentile athleticism score Downs was still pretty high up there in the high 80s Um, but I think for a slot receiver you don't necessarily need the big speed the deep speed Right? You want that quickness off the line where you can go either way and have that explosive step. That's what Downs has. He gets open very quickly and is able to take some of those quick passes from Drake May, the quarterback in North Carolina, and make something happen with some of the yak yardage. Uh, I think he'd actually compete for that slot spot early. I think it might take a little bit of adjustment for him to get into the physicality of the NFL, the ECC. You didn't see a lot of corners challenging him in that way this season. Um, So maybe start as a number four. And I think pretty soon before the end of the year, you could be talking about him as the starting slot guy.
2: Now you talk about those athletic scores. One of the guys, the Colts got, I would, from a lot of the mock drafts, I was looking at kind of a steal out of, out of Tamawa, Abare. In the fourth round, a guy who I thought maybe could go earlier, what do you like about him? I mean a guy who runs a, a sub 4 540 at 280 pounds you don't see those very often
1: no and, and it shows up on film too It not just one of those workout warriors um, uh, you know at a, a barway which was absolutely dominant in some games at Northwestern when these tackles just didn't have the functional strength and anchor to stop him off the edge you know he, he's an intriguing player because you can move him around so much. And I think it might be part of the reason he fell. I think some teams are saying, where are we going to put this guy? Are we are got to right. line him up as a stand-up outside edge rush. We're going to put him inside. I don't know if he fits our defense. We're going to pass. And I think the Colts maybe could take advantage of that as a player who's getting some first-round buzz. If you can find the right placement where you can let him pin his ears back, get after the quarterback, and teach him some of those run game instincts, I think there's a ton of potential out there.
0: All right, I got to double back here. You and Casey are talking about the RAS, and I think there's a a good section of the fan base that is listening to this that knows what that is, Shane. But th- for those that are not eating and drinking and sleeping, NFL Draft, uh, the RAS is the Relative Athletic Score that measures a prospect's performance at the combine. And when you relate that relate that, I should say to the Colts draft, the 12 picks, the average. RAS for the Colts draft class was 9.49 out of 10 which obviously speaks to the Colts uh, prioritizing athletes or at least athletes that score well on the RAS what is that how do they come about the uh, determination of that score at the combine what goes into that
1: yeah so, so that RAS score is created by Kentley Platt uh, we've had him on our podcast he's a good friend and basically what he does is take every workout for every player from 1987 onward combine pro day, whatever highest you know, place that a player worked out and inputs into their specific position, their size. So it also includes height, weight, uh, the agility scores, the three cone, um, Etc. You know, the 40, time the 10, the 20, as well as you know bench press everything. Everything that a player does, you factor that in, and it's weight against every other player at that position. It's worked out ever since 1987, and that's you get a perfect 10. So Anthony Richardson's a perfect 10. That means he's a 100% athlete. He worked out better than every quarterback of all time since 1987. Um, and you mentioned the average score. Very high for the Colts. It's actually lower than it was uh, last year. Yeah. <laughs> last year, the RAP score is even higher. Yeah. <laughs>
0: and, and why does that matter? Can you give us some context on why players need to score well in the RAS to translate and have success in the NFL?
1: Well, you know, when you, when you look at players that are in the, the nines and above, it being 90-percentile athletes right. just, just means what you see on the field you know when a player comes off the line at receiver you know that they're able to to get open quicker cuz they have that quicker first step um, than the cornerback you know if you're looking at an edge rusher how are they able to to move around the the defense and there's been a lot of analytical analysis which we know the Colts front office does about what what are the thresholds that you need for success in some of these certain drills uh, with linemen, the agility drills are super important. So it might even be different things for different uh, different players in different positions. But it, basically, there's a correlation between every position, their RAS and the, their success in the NFL. The higher your raz, the higher likelihood you are to hit in the NFL.
2: Now, post-draft, you always kind of go back and you look at the guys that were selected higher than you thought or some of the guys that don't get selected at all. When you go back and look at this, you know, some of the buzz that were, you know, maybe even, I swear, like Andre Carter was a guy who a year ago was a potential first-round pick, and he goes undrafted. Who are the guys that didn't get drafted that surprised you the most in this draft?
1: Uh, one big one for me was uh, Rakeem Jarrett, the wide receiver out of Maryland, up getting signed by the Buccaneers, was a five-star athlete coming out of high school, went to Maryland, kind of disappointed in terms of production, but definitely had the athleticism and the movement ability. I thought on film, he looked, he looked pretty good, at least enough to get drafted. Um, But but sometimes when you look at, especially receiver corner guys that fell out, our players didn't play special teams. That's a, that's a big thing in that sixth seventh round. And so I think sometimes it's hard to, why didn't this guy get drafted? Well, you know it doesn't play special teams or uh, maybe have some work ethic concerns. a lot of the, the the guys that felt you know medical concerns that you just don't want to take a chance on the draft pick so uh, i I definitely had some some players that I had draftable, maybe even the fourth fifth round that went undrafted, but uh, maybe had some of those concerns that I can't necessarily see on film.
0: That a boy, all right, Shane, get your energy drink, uh, throw some water in your face, gotta ask you turn it on. Who's the number one overall pick in 2024? You already have like a day three mock draft for 2024. (laughs) No kidding. I saw it. You posted it. I saw it. I clicked on it. So you got me. Well done. Uh, Who is the number one pick in 2024? Hedging our bets here on May 1st, 2nd, 3rd, whatever day it is.
1: Uh, well, put, put your money down now. It's going to be Caleb Williams, the quarterback from USC. Yes. Uh, it doesn't matter who gets the pick. Uh, it, you you get rid of the quarterback you have. If you pick a number one, you take Caleb Williams. He's he's going to be one of the best quarterback prospects of all time.
0: To be followed by who in terms of the best non-quarterback prospect?
1: Marvin Harrison Jr.? I, I think Marvin Harrison Jr., the receiver from Ohio State, is is there. I mean, I think he should be. <laughs> Uh, but i also drop Olufashanu, the offensive tackle from mm-hmm. Penn State, and Joe Alt, the offensive tackle from Notre Dame. Uh, it's going to be a really good offensive class next year.
0: There you go. Shane Hallam from NFL Draft Countdown. Follow him online. He's fantastic at what he does. at Shane P. Hallam on Twitter. That's H-A-L-L-A-M. Shane, I really appreciate your time, man. You've uh, earned some time off, so enjoy it. Get uh, re there with your family and friends. Enjoy your time off here in the summer, and we look forward to doing it again uh, this time next year around uh, February and, and March for 2024, going all in again.
1: I can't wait to do it again next year. Thanks for having me, guys.